It's Friday, January 10th, 2020, 108 days since the House began its impeachment inquiry. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning, I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. Happy Friday! We made it through the first full week of January, but the president's impeachment trial is still on hold. Has not started. So that's neat. Okay, today we're talking to Kate Brannon of Just Security about the mustachioed maverick who may hold the key to Trump's fate, former National Security Advisor John Bolton. But before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened yesterday. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is operating on her own timeline when it comes to sending over the articles of impeachment to the Senate. And that's got people not named Nancy Pelosi on edge. She's got folks, including everyone on this show, playing everyone's favorite question mark guessing game as we try to figure out just when the trial is going to start now. CNN went to Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, and asked him if he was going to release the framework of the impeachment trial like Pelosi wants before the trial starts. His response was simply, No, we're not going to do that. That was the quote. McConnell was at the White House earlier this week to continue to coordinate strategy for the looming trial. So far, he's managed to keep Trump at bay as the acquittal that the president clearly wants stays out of reach for now. And the crafty Kentuckian tried to up the pressure on Speaker Pelosi himself on Thursday. He added his name as a co-sponsor to a draft resolution that would change the Senate's impeachment rules. The proposal would make it so that the body could dismiss any articles of impeachment if they didn't arrive in the Senate after 25 days, which would be soon. Now, that's absolutely not going to pass. And McConnell knows that. He also knows his moderate members need at least the appearance of a fair trial. But by lending the rule change his name, McConnell wants to keep pointing the blame for any delay at Pelosi. He and others are predicting that at this point, Pelosi sends over the articles soon, and the trial starts probably next week. But when asked about it at her weekly press conference, the speaker wasn't keen to give any details about her thinking. Now, in terms of impeachment, you will keep asking me the same question. I keep giving you the same answer. As I said right from the start, we need to see the the arena in which we are sending our managers. Is that too much to ask? But CNN reported on Thursday that she was telling people to stay close to D.C. as the weekend dawns, indicating she planned to send over the articles possibly within the next 24 hours. If that happens, things will click into place pretty dang fast at this point. And now we turn to our last Nixometer reading of the week. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale, zero, normal day, normal White House, 10, President Richard Nixon resigns and flies away in Marine One. This morning, we're at a 7.7. Pelosi and McConnell seem to have dug their heels in, but nobody's predicting that the stalemate lasts too much longer. So next week, we may finally get this ball a-rolling and the Senate trial actually started up. Okay, after the break, we talked to Kate Brannon about John Bolton, the man who knew too much when it comes to Trump's Ukraine plots. Be right back. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. 
From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I always wanted to know what it felt like to kill somebody. He started laughing. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant, picking up these girls, getting them in a position of vulnerability. When he got a hold of their neck, that was it. I'm Carolyn Osorio, a journalist and lifelong resident of the Pacific Northwest. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. How many times did you bring the camera to One the river? time. Just one time. one time. He started fantasizing about having sex with his mother. Then he fantasized about killing her. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go to the woods. She was just, to all of us, kind of strange. Do you know how he feels about prostitutes? Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time once again for this fucking guy. And we have quite the guy today whose name we have said roughly a million times on this show already, former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Here in the studio to talk about the man, the mustache, the legend, we've got friend of the show, Kate Brannon. Kate is the editorial director of Just Security, a website focused on national security policy and debate. Thank you for coming back, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. So, Bolton is such an interesting case. For folks at home who aren't as D.C. fluent as others, can you lay out really quickly just what the White House National Security Advisor does? He's basically the president's chief national security advisor. I know. I realize I just repeated his title. Um, He provides advice on all things national security, but he also is supposed to convene uh, an interagency process that brings together the cabinet Mm -hmm. to discuss pressing issues and tee up options for the president. So let's back up for a second and talk about his pre-Trump life. I feel like besides, you know, the facial hair, the main thing people know about John Bolton is he has this reputation that he's never met a war he didn't like. Is that a fair reputation for him to have? Yeah, he's an ultra hawk. You know, he's been pushing for confrontation with Iran, really hard line with North Korea. It was part of the Bush administration during the Iraq war. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think he deserves that. (laughs) Fair enough. He's always seemed like such a weird fit, though, for the Trump administration. What do you think made him jump on board as Trump's third national security advisor in two years? That's a really good question. I think 
And part of it is Trump's foreign policy has always been incoherent. He mm. holds both positions at the same time. So he's an isolationist, and a lot of his supporters embrace that. But he also is taking an incredibly, obviously, aggressive stance toward Iran, which was really appealing to Bolton. But they were a weird match because Bolton takes an aggressive position toward Russia, toward mm-hmm. North Korea, and obviously that's not what the president is doing. So it was in the ingredients of their relationship <laughs> that they would come into conflict. And like you said, John Bolton— loves process. He is a bureaucracy wizard, that man. He knows just how to pull all the strings and levers to get what he wants, it seems like. Yeah, I've heard that he's like a flamethrower, if that's the right word, like in terms of being like a bureaucratic <laughs> yeah. warrior. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So let's turn to Ukraine, a.k.a. the reason why the president got impeached. As this was all playing out, we have had several witnesses come forward and say John Bolton was not a fan of Rudy Giuliani's attempt to get Ukraine to investigate the Bidens, Yeah. Correct. John Bolton, for strictly foreign policy reasons, would have been very supportive of sending Ukraine weapons and military support. As we all know, Ukraine is in a hot war with Russia, and Bolton, along with the rest of the U.S. national security establishment, supports Ukraine in that effort. And so, you know, immediately the withdrawal of military aid from Ukraine would have not been something Bolton would be supportive of and would be looking to undo from the get-go. And despite not actually appearing to testify in the House inquiry or in the House hearings. He had some of the most memorable quotes, I feel like, from some of his like staffers who were repeating him under oath. He talked about the drug deal that was being cooked up and tell the lawyers. So when he told his staffers to go to the lawyers— Was he just covering his ass, do you think? To your point, he definitely loomed large. You know, he was the guy who wasn't there but was very much in the room. So tell the lawyers is him protecting his own ass and it's protecting his staff's ass Mm -hmm. and it's protecting the country and the presidency's ass. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So we were talking right before we started recording about how wild the timing was when he left the administration because he apparently was behind the scenes trying to keep this all from exploding and then managed to get out the door right before this grenade blew up. Yeah, the timing is really suspect. And there's no reporting that I know about that talks about how the Ukraine story and what Mm -hmm. was going on behind the scenes. Because at that point, the Ukraine situation behind the scenes in the U.S. government was really reaching kind of panic levels. Mm -hmm. The fiscal year was around the corner, September 30th. The Pentagon was frantic that they wouldn't be able to spend all the money in time, that they would violate the law. There had been, at that point, repeated meetings with Trump to get him to change his mind. He hadn't. And the whistleblower complaint at that point was known by the White House, Mm. but hadn't yet broken into the public. And so all this is going on behind the scenes at the very moment John Bolton resigns. But we don't know what he was saying to the president during that time and whether Ukraine was part of that decision. The reporting around his departure was that he kind of left in a huff about what was going on with Afghanistan. And with Trump, there's always something you can kind of leave in a huff over. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely true. But yeah, it was September 11th. They were going to have the Taliban at Camp David. It's the reporting around that. And that Bolton was like, so opposed to that, he just said, peace, I'm done with this. I am out. But September 11th is also the day that the hold on the Ukraine aid was lifted. Uh, <laughs> there's so many things. I feel like if this were like a genius lyrics article, if you clicked on like September 11th, so many things would pop up in the like little tab. And I think, I can't remember exactly what date, but it was 
maybe the day after or the day before that the inspector general for the director of national mm. intelligence told Adam Schiff, there's this whistleblower complaint that the Trump administration doesn't want you to see. Right, because the 13th of September is when Adam Schiff said, uh, you guys need to let us know about this. And the 9th of September is when the congressional committees first said, hey, there's this Ukraine thing that we're going to investigate. So the inquiry comes around and Bolton says he refuses to testify without a court order. But on Monday, he shocked everyone by saying he'd cooperate in the Senate trial if subpoenaed. What changed here to get Bolton to say he would actually testify? So a few things are going on. One, the court order never came mm-hmm. concerning his House subpoena. The House dropped the subpoena against— um, His deputy, Charles His Copperman. deputy. And so Bolton's view was always, I'm going to let the court decide whether I should listen to Congress mm-hmm. and its subpoena or I should listen to the president and his order not to testify. But, in fact, the court didn't resolve that issue. And so now, you know, he's taking it upon himself to resolve it. He also has a book in the works. Oh, and yeah. there's lots of speculation that— It would look pretty horrible if you refused to testify before the Senate in an impeachment inquiry, but then you told all in your book. And so part of it might be like, it doesn't want to look that bad. That would look pretty terrible. My big question, or not big question, but Bolton is also really supportive of the action the president just took against killing Qasem Soleimani in Iraq. So it was like a weird moment where, on the one hand, Bolton is incredibly supportive of the administration at this moment, but Mm -hmm. he's also signaling— I could bring you down if you call me. So what's your read? If a few Republican senators do work with Democrats to get Bolton subpoenaed, does he spill all the tea? I think he could. I think he's in the position to. Mm. I think he knows things that only he knows about conversations he had with the president. Mm -hmm. Aside from his private conversations with the president, which I'm sure are incredibly illuminating Mm -hmm. about the Ukraine situation— There's enough that we know in the public testimony that he also knows about. Like, so from Fiona Hill and Alexander Vindman, he had conversations with his staff. So I guess what I'm saying is it's going to be tough for lawmakers to elicit from him the private stuff that we have yet to know about. But there's enough on record, certainly, that they can question him about, too. I also think, though, John Bolton's not one—I mean, I don't know the guy personally. (laughs) I might be wrong. But he doesn't seem like someone who— would lie to Congress. Yeah, I feel like that one is a bit too far. So let's flash forward really quickly. It's a year in the future. The 2020 election is in the rearview mirror. What do you think John Bolton is up to? Uh, I can't answer that. I don't know what's going on (laughs) next week. (laughs) And that is where we are as a country. Kate, thank you so much for being here and talking this through with me. My pleasure. Okay, it's time for the latest edition of our newest segment, Trial Watch 2020. It's where we run down what's happening next in the Senate impeachment trial. As of today, we still do not have a date for the president's trial. Maybe next week. This has been the latest edition of Trial Watch 2020. That is it for this week. Next week, we'll have... Ugh, shit, man. I don't even know anymore. That's the world we're in. But, hey, we're in it together. Speaking of togetherness, this show is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Habercheck, and Jacopo Penzo, with editorial assistance from Tom Guerra. Editing by Josh Fisher, Taylor Hosking, and Ryan Kyloth. Julian Weller is our supervising producer. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikader, Nikki Itor, Samantha Hennig, Maggie Schultz, and Ben Smith. 
Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you frequent to hear my disembodied voice. And please, please leave a rating and a review. It's the best way to help us reach out and teach more people about this wacky thing called impeachment. Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out. That's right. Together. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And break us off with some bread cause we waiting on reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary Original podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 